This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Ashley, is it true that some contestants have cashed in their 401k to afford a new wardrobe for The Bachelor? I mean, you do need a lot of ball gowns when you think about it, Ben. Where did you hear this? On Smart Money Happy Hour. It's a podcast where two money experts, Rachel Cruz and George Camel, talk totally unfiltered about life, pop culture, and how to afford it all with 90s nostalgia and reality TV fandom mixed in, of course. Ooh, you do not have to say more to get me into this. To check it out, you can search Smart Money Happy Hour and listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, ladies, let's be real. Who here actually enjoys shaving their legs? Yeah, absolutely no one. I know this. Get this, Nair. Yes, Nair, the OG, has leveled up. They've got these new sensational shower creams and body creams that smell absolutely amazing. I know this is not the smell that you're thinking of from the 90s when your mom first pulled this out for you. These smells will light up your bathroom, honestly. They'll make your shower experience better. It smells like a spa, actually. Oh, yeah. And how do you know this? Well, I just, I mean, Nair's in the household. So anytime Nair's used, it smells like a spa. You probably don't even know what it does. It takes hair away. (laughs) It works in as little as three minutes. You don't have to bother with nicks, cuts, shaves, and the smooth lasts so much longer than shaving. You're also not going to have to deal with any of those shave bumps or anything like that because the bumps are just as annoying as the nicks, right? Nair's new sensational shower and body creams are free of all the nasty chemicals like phthalates and sulfates. You can feel good about what you're putting on your skin and you could have a little bit of a me time moment with Nair, the number one hair removal brand. Smell for yourself. And as Ben, Ben smelled for himself and he likes it. It's Ben approved. Try the reformulated Nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24 seven. Ooh. Yeah, but look at you. Yeah, right. But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. So if you've been looking for a love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive. Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. 
super special. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. This is Ben and Ashley I, almost famous, in-depth. We promised we'd have more. Ashley and I are back with another episode of Almost Famous In-Depth. Ashley, before we tell, which I guess you could probably read it by now in the bio, our listeners who's on today, how are you feeling and what are you most excited for for this interview? I feel like Kaylin for the past year has just been like so happy with Dean and I feel like I'm excited to get to know more about like the behind the scenes of their relationship mm-hmm. and also so many things that I feel like we haven't we didn't get to discuss with her back during like Colton season in paradise that's right well uh before we bring on our guest which as Ashley said is Kaylin Miller Keys a little background on Kaylin Miller Keys she was born June 15th 1995 in Fredericksburg Virginia A childhood illness almost left her paralyzed. At a young age, she had a virus that led to inflammation of the brain. She suffered a complete loss of muscle control, and doctors only gave her a 10% chance of walking again. Well, we know that. We start there. Why? why, 100%. I was going to say, we know where that story continues to, and it continues to us today on the Almost Famous Podcast. Hey, Kaylin. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Kaylin. So tell us about this horrible thing you experienced as a kid. Yeah. um, So when I was two, I was diagnosed with encephalitis. And my mom took me to so many different doctors and so many different hospitals. And she's like, something is wrong with my daughter. And it just like reminds me of that Grey's Anatomy episode where the mom is like, no, like something is wrong oh, yeah. with my son. And yeah. she finds out that he has that random disease. Yeah. And so all the doctors were like, it's a cold. She'll be fine. And she was like, no, I promise like something's wrong with her. And so after a couple, maybe like a week or two of that, um, she met a doctor and was like, we have to heli back her out. Like she is kind of on the brink of death. She has encephalitis. Her brain is swelling. Mm. Um, and we need to get this taken care of. So it was so far gone at that point because doctors had misdiagnosed me that they were like, you only have a 10% chance of walking if you live and your chances of living are very slim. So, I mean, I don't know how I got through it or survived, but my mom, like never fighting is just, she's just an incredible woman. How, how rare is encephalitis? How, how rare? Um, I think it was, more rare in the 90s or it was like harder to diagnose i think in the 90s but people still have it it's just it's really bad for young kids to have it so how do you get it catch it or how to develop it you know i should probably do some more research (laughs) i think it's a virus virus. i think it's a virus that you catch yeah Mm -hmm. wow you can yeah uh, just for my own personal knowledge did you (laughs) were you helicoptered were you helicoptered to a nova fairfax no, I should have been, but we were at, to VCU hospital. Oh, really? Interesting, because yeah, my dad works at Fairfax. Oh, really? Yeah. It, they're much nicer, yeah. but <laughs> we only have Mary Wash in Fredericksburg, right. and that's just not the best hospital. Yeah. So, All right, so then how'd you get through that? Like, Did you have to rehab? Were you in the hospital for days, weeks? Yeah, um, so I was in the hospital for at least two weeks, and my mom said I was the smiliest smiliest 
happiest kid. And she was like, for two weeks straight, you didn't crack a smile. Like we had people doing everything to try and make you smile. Um, like I loved it when people hurt themselves, like trip and fall and stuff. And they tried everything. They put on my favorite shows and then they brought in a therapy dog on mm. the second week, 14 days in. And it was a little Jack Russell that hopped in bed with me. And it was the first time I smiled. Mm. And my mom said I started getting better pretty soon after that. How often does your mom talk about this? Um, not too often, but growing up, she definitely let me know, like, you're lucky. Mm -hmm. Like, you're very lucky to be walking, to be living. And she tells the stories. I get confused. I was just talking about this. I get confused, like, what my memories are and what the memories that she's told me are. Mm -hmm. um, but she was in the hospital by my side every single day, had the whole church praying for us. And she said they were giving me anesthesia, but I wasn't reacting to it or some type of medicine. And so they just kept giving me more and more and more. And she said, I started screaming and just saw spiders like crawling from the ceilings because it all hit me at once. And just to remind everybody and for clarity, you were how old? Two. Oh my gosh. So are you even able to yeah. speak yet? Were you speaking? You're like a toddler. So I think you're like saying little words here and there. Yeah. So, okay. Who else was in your life at this time? Was your mom was very present. We, you also mm -hmm. have a sister. You have a, a dad, of course, and a stepdad. So what, mm -hmm. where was your parents' relationship at this point? Um, my parents separated when I was three months old. So I don't remember him being there. I don't remember my mom saying he came down. I don't really think that sounds like him. So it was just her like by my side every night. And I think my grandma took care of my sister because she was obviously young and couldn't stay at the hospital with us. And then how many siblings? I have three brothers and three sisters. Oh, three brothers but and three it was sisters. just me and her at the time. Oh, wow. Okay. So I said you have one sister because I'm going <laughs> off of what we saw on your hometown date. So why weren't all your siblings there? Not to jump ahead, but. um, They were all there, but they just didn't want to talk to them, I guess. <laughs> My brother was so upset. He still gets upset. He's like, why didn't anyone want to talk to me? And I'm like. I didn't make that decision. I'm sorry. No way. That's so funny. They made it seem like you and your your sister was the one that they had. He had to impress. No, it was weird. I don't know. <laughs> the uh, Kaylin coming up with a, a childhood story like this is. I mean, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, wow, that had to be tough. Is there? Did you ever feel growing up like what was your childhood like? Then was there just an appreciation for you? Yeah, I think my mom was just so appreciative that I was living that. Um, she was also there through therapy. I had to learn how to rewalk again. So I, I started to lose all my motor skills and I, I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't walk. So I had to relearn how to do all those things, to eat, to walk, to do anything for myself. So she was there through all of that. And it was just, she also like did a lot of research on brains. And she said that my personality changed drastically when I went through that. When you go through a brain trauma, you, you can change. And so I always like wonder what I would have or who I would have been if I hadn't gone through that. Interesting, because you, you said that you were so smiley beforehand. I always think of you as smiley now, mm -hmm. so it didn't change I know, I'm like, your happiness. I think maybe I was more outgoing, and then going through that, I came out more shy. I don't know. Who knows? Is this is this one of the reasons you love dogs so much, too? Yes. I just love them so much, and I think therapy dogs are just amazing. I want to make Pappy a therapy dog, but they just... I don't know. There's something about like touching and holding a dog that just makes you happy. It makes you smile mm. like Pappy. I feel like Pappy is a therapy dog, like just um, just by nature. 
No, he is. Dean tried to take him. He like cuddles me every night. And the other night, Dean tried to take him. And I was like, I, I literally can't sleep without this dog. Like, you can't take him. Oh, well, hey, just let everybody know. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about Pappy because, uh, Kaylin, I'm going to give you a second here to introduce Pappy, but he is sitting on your lap. He is right here with us. He is our fourth or I guess our second guest on this episode. <laughs> yeah, so Pappy, we adopted him back in maybe February. We were fostering in January because Dean obviously broke his leg and we knew we'd be home. So we were like, we might as well foster while we're here, not traveling. So we fostered, fell in love with this little man, and now he's our perfect little son. He's such a Instagram celebrity. <laughs> People are so invested in his health and like his recovery. He just had surgery and everyone just loves him. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. Um, okay. So let's go back to your childhood for a second. So your parents divorced at the age of three. How did that affect your relationship with your father? Um, so they separated when I was three months old. Oh, three months. Whoops. My and, bad. I, I, I <laughs> no, knew no, no. that in my head. I just didn't say it out loud. Um, so for me, I just, I didn't know anything except to have my mom there. And my mom is just the most incredible selfless woman. Like she did such a good job of raising us and never, I never felt like I was missing anything. Like I never felt like I was missing a dad. Um, and then when I was about five, she married my stepdad. So he kind of, if I did have a void to fill, he filled that. Do you feel like you and Dean have bonded over the f- the fact that your father figure in life hasn't been like stereotypical? Yeah, like we we definitely have a different family dynamic than most. Like we both do, so we can relate to that. And I, you know, quarantine has been so tough that I was like, I've got to go see a therapist. What I've been putting off for so long. So we've been like talking through what I'm learning in therapy and things like that. But we definitely have some similarities. I obviously we've got to have Dean on an in-depth podcast uh, before, and he's always an open book, which I really do appreciate about that man. Um, I love Dean very much, by the way. Just to let you know, I don't know if you knew that. Um, he's wonderful. <laughs> so, growing up then in this family, when did at what point in your childhood did the did you start to find a, a desire for performance? Um, honestly, never. I was the most shy kid growing up I could barely speak to strangers I was just like I was always the sidekick and the background person um just like cheering my friends on who were always loved to be in the limelight and just loved to the attention and I never wanted that um but when I was 15 my friend had a little pin for Miss Virginia United States and I was like what is that and I asked her about it we talked about it and I was like all right might as well try it I don't know what inspired me to do it but after my first one, I got to meet so many girls and I got to come out of my shell. When you're 15 and walking in a swimsuit, it definitely like <laughs> brings you out of your comfort zone. And mm-hmm. um, so it was from there, I just fell in love with it. And I loved being on stage and I loved just breaking down those barriers that I built up. So that was early nice. on. You're 15. That's wild. I can't imagine. I can't imagine walking around in a swimsuit at 15 years old in front of people. I know. It's kind of gross to think about. I'm like, why did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) What was the hardest part of pageant life? Ooh. um, Probably the comparison. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just the comparison and the competition aspect. Like people can be mean and mostly the moms can be mean. And it was just tough to hear people just say not so nice things and 
there's like anonymous boards that people can post on and just like rip you apart. So that was, I learned when I was 15, like what my mental strength is and what I can handle and what I can't, which helped me in the bachelor in a sense, because Mm. there's obviously Reddit and things that you can read and comments. And I was like, I know that this will hurt me. I know I can't handle it. So I'm just not going to even go there. So this is a common, you're telling me it's common for the moms to outwardly express like criticism towards you at a, like a young teen level. Like that was an accepted culture. Well, like whispers. And there was one point in a pa- like pageants, I, I think they're great. This is just like my one negative. Mm-hmm. I was sitting at a pageant in the audience and I was just hearing people and not, all, I don't want to like crap on pageantry in any way, but I was just hearing people criticize like a girl comes out. Oh, I hate that dress. Oh, I hate her walk. Oh, I hate this. I hate that. I hate her hair. And I was like, that's not what this should be. And it's, I'm not saying every pageant person is like that, but it's mostly the moms are just like critiquing every single girl that walks out there who's putting themselves out there. Hmm. I can't imagine then how that prepped you 100%. Oh, I know. I know. I think that's probably the best prep work for The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest misconception about pageants? Um, That the girls don't get along. Like my some of my best, best friends are from pageantry. And yes, there are like those mean moments that you would think that happened, mm-hmm. but they're very rare. For the most part, people are very supportive. And, you know, that was just me sitting watching. But when you're actually backstage and you're getting to meet the girls, for the most part, everyone's great and wonderful. And you just like develop this really close bond. Can you talk about the um, the work that goes into preparing for a pageant? Because you were in it for a good number of years before you were crowned Miss uh, North Carolina. So you started 15 mm-hmm. and then you were crowned Miss North Carolina at 21, 22, 22. Yeah. So how do you get in that like mindset constantly preparing yourself? It's so funny because I forgot about this podcast and at 11 AM I was like, Oh crap, I have the podcast. And I was literally taken back to pageantry where I was like, I haven't prepared. I haven't like thought of the questions and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it's, it's not a big deal, but you really do have to like go through each question and kind of find the right thing to say, find your stance on issues at such a young age of things that, you know, most kids aren't thinking about. Well, I mean, like what were the questions? What are the questions in, yeah, in the pageant world? Is, I don't know. I don't is, know pageants <laughs> at all to be, to be clear. Like I, I don't know this world. And, uh, and so I come into this, I'm like, they're, I, I, I'm, I'm still amazed that you're, you're able to get up on on a stage at 15. I don't get how you could do that. I just would be, oh. I was so insecure. But then what questions are they asking you? The questions are the hardest part. I'm like, whenever everybody watches a pageant, they're like, oh, I just can't wait for the questions because it's just so awkward. Because even if you are super <laughs> eloquent and educated, sp- speaking your opinion on a hot topic, a political topic, um, just at the drop of a hat is so stressful. Yes. And like, you've got the intense music behind you, just like making it even worse, making your nerves worse. But it it is, it's like controversial topics. It's hot topics in the news. People will ask about gun control. They'll ask about gay marriage. They'll ask about, I'm thinking about like Miss USA 2009. It was about gay marriage. And I think maybe gun control. I, it just like anything that's relevant in the news and nothing's off limits. What a prep. I mean, what a prep for... Yeah. A, a show that then I know we're going to j- jump in and talk about here in just a second. Um, how, do, I mean, what, is, what kind of life skills do you think this pageant world taught you? Um, I think it gave me the ability to think on my feet and 
I tend to be a very fast talker because I'm like, oh, I only have 15 seconds to answer. So I like get a lot of things out very quickly, which I'm working on. But also it's, I don't know. It's, it's taught me a lot. I don't know. My mind's like jumping to a million places right now. Well, when you were doing pageants, uh, you had sexual assault be one of your platforms because that was something that you experienced and were very open with on The Bachelor um, in college. So I kind of want to get into that and how you decided to make that your platform and when you started getting comfortable talking about that experience. Yeah, I actually remember I was at Miss Virginia USA maybe a year, maybe a or a couple of months, it was probably a year after it happened. And I was talking to one of my girlfriends and I was like, this happened to me and it was brutal and I'm still going through it. And I kind of want to talk about it, but no one's really talked about it. So I don't know if it's appropriate. I don't know what people's response will be. Um, because I think at the time, Trump owned Miss USA for a long time. And I remember people saying not to talk about it, I think for that reason. I don't know, but there are a lot of people saying like, yes or no. And I was finally like, this has been exhausting. This has been so difficult. There are not enough resources for people to know what to do. If it happens mm. to you, you wake up and you're like, I, I don't know where to go from here. And so I was like, I have to talk about this. If people shame me, if people guilt me, if people think that I'm crazy for talking about this, whatever, but if it helps someone, that's all I could ask for. What was your hope? I wanted people to know that they weren't alone because waking up and just, you just have this pit in your stomach. You feel this hopelessness and helplessness. And I just wanted to help girls who felt that way too. And I wanted them to be knowledgeable and know what to do if this happens. And also, I don't know, there was just such a stigma. I remember my assault happened a week before the Rolling Stones article came out. And then there was, and it was, um, a girl at UVA, I believe. Now I'm, my brain is scattered, but I think she's at UVA and she came forward, did a Rolling Stones article about her sexual assault. And then it came out that she maybe fabricated it or things weren't lining up. So then nobody wanted to come forward. They're like, well, I'm going to be considered a liar. So I wanted people to know, like, it doesn't matter what people say, just speak your truth own, you know, speak up. And it's an important topic. Do you feel comfortable talking to us about what happened within the year? Because you started talking about it more openly at a year. Mm -hmm. At what point did you like tell your mom and uh, talk to your close best friends about it? Because I know that it, it all happened when you were with your best friends, right? A night going out mm -hmm. in college. Are you open to that? Yeah. So, yeah. So in a way, it sounds weird, but I do feel lucky that I went through it with other people. If, if there was any luck in any of this, I do feel lucky that none of us were alone. We all had each other to lean on and we were like, we all woke up that next morning and we're all confused. And um, we went to the hospital together. We filed police reports together. We talked to the detectives together. And so me thinking about other people, just like the bravery it takes to do all of that alone is just absolutely incredible to me. Um, but yeah, I I didn't tell my mom until probably five months later. I just felt so much shame and so much guilt. And I almost called her in the hospital the night that it happened, but or the night after it happened. Um, but I was just like, she's going to be so ashamed of me. I was drinking. Mm. You know, there were other things involved, like, you know, sexual things. Like, she's going to be so ashamed. 
Um, and I remember when she found out, like, she was there, she was meeting with my lawyers immediately. She was at the school immediately. She was doing everything she could to fight for me. And I wish I told her immediately because she just had my back and has had my back ever since. Can you talk about, talk about what you mentioned the hospital did the night when you reported it? Because wasn't it wasn't there something very strange? Yeah, so the next day I woke up and I was like trying to figure out what happened. And you're piecing things together. It wasn't just cut and clear like this happened. It was It was over the course of that entire day where we were piecing things together and figuring it out. Um, so when... I went to the hospital. I was like, let me just get a, to see, let me see if I was, had any drugs in my system. If I was drugged, then I'll know like for sure something was wrong. And so I went to a hospital and they said, we can't. And I told them, I was like, I think I was sexually assaulted last night. I told them and they said, I'm sorry, but unless you file a police report, we're not going to test you, which they can't do. Um, And at the point I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know if there was a sexual assault. I wanted to get tested to see if there were drugs in my system, we were still figuring things out at that point. Um, so then the day passes and we're all just feeling more and more weird. We found out an additional detail and I was like, all right, at this point, I'm ready to file a police report. So so were the other two girls and we filed together. I'm so confused how the hospital expected you to go to the police, file a report before seeking medical advice and attention. Yeah, it, it didn't make any sense. And even still today, the only thing that's left with my case is that hospital bill that I'm fighting. I'm like, you didn't do anything. You turned me away. I'm not paying this. And it's like a small hospital bill, but I'm not going to pay it when you turned me away for medical attention that I needed. This is still this is still something you're fighting today. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Kayla, I have to uh, ask then, how did this affect your relationship with men? Um... People just, I mean, everyone who's gone through this experience, this horrific experience responds differently. And at first I shut down and then I covered it up by jumping into a new relationship because I just, I've never been good about dealing with things that have happened to me, like traumas that I've experienced in my life. I always just shut down. Um, I went through a trauma when I was a kid and my mom tried to take me to therapy and I just colored the whole time because I just, I can't do it. I couldn't at that point. So my response was just to ignore it. It happened. I'm, you know, trying to deal with it. And so I'm just going to jump into a new relationship. This guy doesn't go to my school. He's graduated college. My response is just like, everything's fine, (laughs) which, you know, was not the healthy way to do it at all. But um, so my relationship with him, it was fine for the most part. And then sometimes it would hit me what happened and the severity of what happened and I would just break down and start crying and I never I never processed it so my relationship with him was just like kind of weird because I would I don't know just break down every so often about it and this is the new relationship the relationship right after this is yeah this was the new one and I just felt like a sense of trust with him that I just needed and so I never felt anything weird with him but I do remember if a man would kind of like touch my shoulder or even my stepdad, who's like been my dad since I was five, would like touch, I would still jump. But with that new relationship I was in, I just like created this bond and trust and like this necessity that I needed that I didn't feel that with him. What's your perspective on all today? Um, well, now I've like sought out therapy and I've like gone, you know, I'm still 
it's not something that you can like work through quickly. I'm still working through it, but I, I'm happy I came out of it the way that I did. I'm happy that I'm stronger. I'm happy that I can now appreciate the incredible men in my life and the incredible relationship that I'm in now. And just, I think, have trust with Dean and I don't know. The, I'm sure looking back, just like most things in life, you know, there's lessons learned. Um, and obviously in your case, there is a lot of things that you've had to process and work through, as you mentioned, still working through. What would, if you, if we just kind of gave you the platform, which you love doing almost on the in-depth episodes to say, there's somebody out there listening to this who could have been a victim of something similar uh, to what you have, have been a victim of. What would be your message for them now looking back on, you know, what was this eight years ago? Uh, I think six, maybe six years ago. Yeah. Six years. What would be yeah. your lessons of, of things learned? Um, if someone's gone through it or going through it, I keep getting so many messages, especially now when everyone's just sitting with their thoughts and they're like, all right, it's time that I finally cope with this. I would say the biggest thing, again, it's weird to say that we're lucky, but we are lucky to be in this time where we have so many women standing in solidarity and men standing up and saying, me too, me too, me too. We are lucky in that sense where we don't have to feel shameful. We don't have to feel, or I guess feel less shameful. Um, I would also say to seek help and not do what I did, not just cover it up and mask it because it will come out and it'll be ugly and it's better to just deal with it um, head on and life gets better life gets much better and the strength that you'll have once you come out of this is just will be amazing and you and looking back i didn't know i could be this strong i didn't know i could Mm. be this vocal and be an advocate for something that is it's just it's so horrific that it still happens and that i'm still getting dms Mm. and i don't know it's it's despicable but it's weird to say that we're lucky but we are lucky to be in a time where we don't feel like our voices are being restricted in any way. That's beautiful. Kaylin, you've been through a lot. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about what we just talked about since the beginning of this uh, podcast. Yeah. You've been through a lot. It's it's weird to think about. And going through therapy, my therapist is like, anyone else talking about this is going to be crying, but you're just a practical person. And I am practical in the sense where it's like, I can't change what happened to me. All I can do is, grow through it and learn from it and try to become a better person. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Not that. Yeah. Thank you. It means a lot. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to jump into uh, the next stage of your life, which happens to include the bachelor franchise and a guy we know named Colton Underwood. Hey, we'll come back uh, on the almost famous in depth with Kaylin Miller keys. <laughs> What keeps baby skin healthy? A diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. That's why Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to help keep your baby's skin dry and healthy. We have been a Pampers family since the start with Dawson. It takes you a few months of experimentation to figure out what really works, and for us, Pampers really works. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic, and they're free of parabens and latex. All that so important. Try Swaddlers with the new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin, For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. 
Ashley, is it true that some contestants have cashed in their 401k to afford a new wardrobe for The Bachelor? I mean, you do need a lot of ball gowns when you think about it. Where did you hear that rumor, Ben? Oh, Smart Money Happy Hour. It's a podcast where two money experts, Rachel Cruz and George Camel, talk totally unfiltered about life, pop culture, and how to afford it all. With 90s nostalgia and reality TV fandom mixed in, of course. So like how to budget for a hot date in Malta like Joey went on? <laughs> yeah. Or how to baby step your way to being a millionaire before you're 35. Oh, okay. I'm looking at this episode on how much people spend on dating apps. So one guy is spending $499 a month. He should really apply for The Bachelorette. <laughs> or this one episode, which is what our Amazon purchase history says about us. Why don't you just go and tap that subscribe button, Ashley? Um, say less. This is really, really interesting. So to check it out, you can search Smart Money Happy Hour and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Smart Money Happy Hour and hit that subscribe button, which I just did. Your wallet and your next road trip will thank you. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You wake up with a scratchy throat, congestion, runny nose, and cough. You know your body. You know you're getting sick. Your choices are tough it out, get sick, take some time out from work, hope the doctor can see you this month, or wait two hours at urgent care. Then you can sit in a room full of sick people. Or you can open your medical emergency kit, match your symptoms to the doctor's recommendation prescription. It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. It has strong antibiotics for infections of all types, plus a doctor's easy guide so you'll know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in here. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door and you get 15% off at twc.health/famous. You can use the promo code FAMOUS. That's promo code FAMOUS at twc.health slash famous. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. 
Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with Kaylin Miller-Keys. Kaylin, I want to just start again. Uh, we just took a little break. Uh, I, I apologize. First off, I'm stuffy from allergies, um, and uh, and so that's getting me. It's not the best of voices right now. Not that it ever is. But uh, uh, Kaylin, thank you for for sharing. Uh, thanks for being a good advocate, yeah. and thanks for educating uh, me on a lot of these things. So I just I appreciate that. That's what I was thinking about during break. And and Ashley, I'm, I I think you feel the same way. Totally. Um, okay, so while this all went down, you were at Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU, and you were studying broadcast journalism, and you were also doing pageants. And you graduated the same year that you did your that you won Miss North Carolina. The year after. Okay, so uh, all this years? I don't know. All this was happening, um, and you did you did you want a career somewhere where like you were going to be front and center um yeah which is so strange because looking back in my life I, I was never that way when I was a kid but going through pageants it's kind of most people start studying broadcast journalism and I was like I'm in pageants I might as well follow along and try sports broadcasting I know nothing about sports though and I was like that is the dumbest thing I would be a terrible sports broadcaster um and so I graduated and I just, I fell in love with journalism. I always loved journalism, even in high school, I did print, but broadcast, I especially loved. And, um, you know, it was just, it was fun to be in front of the camera. It was fun to edit your own things, also shoot the camera. So when you signed up for The Bachelor, was that during your stint as Miss North Carolina? Because isn't that illegal <laughs> in pageant world? You can't like, <laughs> sign. I, I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, so I won't bring it back up, but... I remember when I was looking into pageants, I was like, oh, I'd have to basically choose one or the other. And mm -hmm. now we see a whole bunch of pageant girls on the show. But back during your day or like when you signed up for it, I feel like it wasn't legal, right? It was okay. I don't think there was anything in the contract at that point. Um, I remember calling my director and I was like, hey, I think I'm going to do this. And she didn't tell me that Hannah was doing it, which is so funny. Um, but... Yeah, so I signed up. I told my director and she said, just make sure you're back for the crowning of Miss North Carolina. And I thought for sure I would be, one, I'm probably going home night one. And two, they're usually in the States. And I talked to someone and I was like, is it possible if we're still in the States for me to fly back? And they're like, yeah, we, it could be possible. So I was like, if I don't go for some crazy reason, don't go home night one, like we'll still make it back. But we ended up being in Vietnam. There's no way I can fly home from Vietnam What? and then go crown the girl and then come back. <laughs> you, ha you were in Vietnam and somebody was trying to convince you that you could possibly make this whole thing work. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. So uh, how did it play out? Um, unfortunately, I missed it. And... I mean, it's a bummer, but my teen is incredible and she took it over. There's like Miss North Carolina teen and she essentially it's like placing a crown on someone's head. And it is like 
it is important. I won't say mm-hmm. that it's not important, but also at the time I was in Vietnam and I was like, I think I might really love this man. So am I really going to place a crown on someone's head and give up a man that I might love? So that's how I justified it. And it's, you know, it wasn't the best, but it happened. All right. So there's obviously a lot of jealousy when it comes to pageants. When you weren't crowned Miss USA and you saw a friend get crowned Miss USA, like you have to be honest with the feelings that run through your body in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember us like holding hands at the end and the cameras are spinning and we're like, holy crap, like neither one of us thought we would ever be here. We maybe thought we'd make the top 15 and even that we felt like was a stretch. And it's on national so- television. What What was this broadcasted on? What was it? NBC, maybe? Yeah. The Fox? You are on primetime TV for the first time, too. Yeah. It was it was insane. And just to know, like, the best friend that I made at Miss USA, it was like me and her at the end. Um, She was like, I think we just kept saying, like, I'm going to come visit you in New York. And she was like, I'm going to come visit you in New York because whoever wins moves to New York. And then they called her. And for a split second, there was a pit in my stomach. And I was like, dang it. And then I was like, this is incredible. Like, this is so incredible. I didn't think I was going to place. I went to Miss Teen USA, didn't place. Like, this is awesome. And I was so happy for her. And she was an incredible Miss USA. So there was really no jealousy there with Miss USA. So, but do you feel like jealousy was the root of your issues with Hannah Brown during that whole pageant, that year of pageantry? No, I wouldn't say it was jealousy. Um, I... You guys are roommates. Like, tell us about the first moment you met. Yeah. So also, I'm just like, I am such a freaking different person from (laughs) Miss USA till now. So it's so weird to think about. But so Hannah and I met when she was crowned and I was already close with Miss Louisiana. And she's still one of my like best friends. I love her to death. And she was crowned and we were excited to bring her in to like the RPM family we met, we were hanging out, loved her. We like got along great. What does RPM stand for? Yeah. Uh, Ryan, Paul, and Morgan. It's like their production oh, okay, company. Okay, thanks. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we met. We like were great friends. And then, um, I don't know. I just, there was like a rift in the friendship. And it was like just small things. And I'm the type of person all right, used to be that person and I'm not anymore. Thanks to the bachelor and just like producers pound, like, you know, pounding it in on me that I need to grow a backbone and I need to speak up for myself. And I used to be the way where if something bothered me, I would just let it bottle up and I would just kind of push that person away because I would rather do that than deal with confrontation, which is terrible. So I kind of was doing that with Hannah and there were just like little things here and there that I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like hard to explain. So then we go to Miss USA and Can you explain one already, little like, thing. Like, I don't want to pressure you, but like give us one example. It just, it was starting to feel competitive and I didn't want our friendship to feel competitive, but it's natural to feel competitive because mm-hmm. we are competing mm-hmm. against one another, okay. you know? Yeah. And I just, I didn't like that. And it wasn't anything like I just felt that way. It's not necessarily something she was doing or anything like that. I just felt like it was getting too competitive. And I don't know. <laughs> it's just like so weird to look back on. But so we go to Miss USA and I just got very quiet. And that's just who I am, especially when I'm competing. I was just like quiet and I would have my headphones in. I would listen to the news. 
And I just didn't like to, you know, hear different things. Like I just, I like to be in my own bubble (laughs) and she likes to have, you know, family talking and hyping her up, but that gets in my head. So I would like have headphones Mm. in and kind of get frustrated. I was like, I don't want to hear about how amazing your body is. I know it's amazing. I only worked out three times before this. Like, I feel like, so I just, I can't, it was like those types of things. And it wasn't anything she was doing intentionally. It was just me not being confident in myself. Got it. So then when you guys, jealousy. <laughs> so then you guys both separately sign up for the show mm-hmm. and you both get cast. I believe that you guys probably both would have been cast uh, regardless of whether or not you had a relationship. Um, was there anything that you lent to them in casting that would have made them think, oh, these two had beef and this will be great drama for the show? Um, I think we weren't following each other on the time where we both went into the casting office and she went in before me and I went in right after her or, or maybe vice versa. But yeah, so I think we weren't following each other. We come in at the same time. We're like, we just got back from Miss USA and they probably saw that we weren't following each other and they're like, oh, there's something there. <laughs> you think they're that good? Like they they would they would pick up on that? Maybe. Did you think she and we also said had anything? Photos together. Like you in- had photos together. Okay. Yeah, we had photos together, but like down a little bit, not too far, I guess. I don't know. I don't think she would have said anything like, "Oh, I hate Kaylin," but I don't know. Did, just to have <laughs> give me some clarity here, did either of you know that the other person was there? I did. Um, we were both at this conference, and she came in after her casting. So I guess did I go in first? One of us went in first, and she came back in. And she was like dressed up all cute. And it was a conference where no one dressed up cute. And she told one of our friends, she was like, I just got back from the bachelor casting. And I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) That's kind of when I found out. So like this was like before top 50 in the in L.A. casting. Like this is when like you guys were casting in different states when they like do the tour. Yeah. And when they're like, if you're in L.A., come by. Yeah. So we were both in L.A. So we did like the come by thing in the office. Oh, wow. Okay, very interesting. <laughs> I want to know what the producers were thinking at this point. I mean, now knowing how far and how much of an impact you've had on Bachelor like Nation, I want to know if they at the time were like, holy cow, we just hit a jackpot. Like two beautiful yeah, girls, probably. charismatic, both know each other, have probably some storyline leading up to this. Like I bet they were freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> so then you show up night one, you see Hannah what went through your body um at that point i knew because oh. i was even in the hotel room and i was talking to producers i was like i know hannah's here and they're like what and i was like no hannah's here i know it and it's fine like i don't care we're like civil we're fine and then um i saw her walk in and we were like talking we were like both standing by the bar and she was like i haven't talked to him yet have you talked to him yet i'm so nervous so we were like we were fine so where the drama come from? Do you think that uh, you guys were riled up by producers or do you think that like the feelings that you felt months prior started to just regurgitate? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many different factors and it's easy to competition get jealous when you're fight competition. Like it just, it, it was the perfect pot for us to kind of, I don't know hash out everything Do you remember how it <laughs> which started? you never really did like how did you start then talking about it um 
well, Colton pulled me aside the night of the pirate date and was like, well, Hannah said these things about you. And so, I mean, a little backstory with that, the reason it kind of looks manipulative when you watch it back, because I'm like starting crying and I'm like, there's things that you don't know. And so at the pirate date, I was still going through my case with my sexual assaults. Mm -hmm. And we were at the point where we were settling with the school because they had just done so many things wrong in my case. And they were like, you know, you can take us to court or we can settle. And so I got a call about the case and it just really upset me. And the fact that this has now been going on for, you know, three years or four years and I'm having to deal with this, like have my lawyers call producers and producers call me and tell me like, it was just, it was so frustrating and it was really bad news that we got. And it was super upsetting. And I'm like four years and we have nothing, like there's nothing from this. So then Colton pulls me aside and I'm already just like so upset and I've been trying to mask it. And then he brings that up and I'm like, this is annoying mm-hmm. and I'm dealing with others. I don't even want to talk about that right now. Uh-huh. So that's kind of, and watching it back, I'm like, that looks manipulative. And it wasn't, it was just me like trying to process what was going on in my life outside of this world. Got it. Did you know at this point then that the Hannah feud, what, like, was it even on your mind? No, uh, because that date, yeah, I was just like, I remember I was just focused on Colton and I had the pirate thing and I was like determined to win. I was like, I am going to win this. And it is obviously a little rigged for me to win. But yeah, I was just focused on like having fun and enjoying that pirate date. So if we watch the season back and and we were prepping for it, it kind of then like just it went through a couple episodes, you and Hannah kind of feuding. And then it just ends. Like, why? What happened? <laughs> um, I remember, I totally remember that night. And I was like, I just, I don't want to have this thing. I don't want to, like, there's no fight to be had. And it was, from my side of things, it was like me at Miss USA, like processing things differently. And me being passive, way, way, way too passive. And just being like, not being able to vocalize like, Hey, this upsets me, whatever. There was just no big thing. And that's the thing. It's like, also the producers, they were like, we don't know how to deal with this. We've never had two people outside of the show, like have two different things coming on. Cause we don't know how to hash this out. And so I was like, well, let's just, or I don't think it was my idea, but it was someone's idea for me to grab Hannah and just be civil and be like, this is stupid. This is really dumb. We both like Colton. Let's move on. Let's like be friendly. We don't have to be best friends, but we can be friendly, not have to be separated all the time. And I remember that next day after the fight, we like got our nails done together and we were talking, everything was fine, which sounds crazy, but it worked for us. Do you guys like you, you solved your relationship problem there in the moment, but you guys were never going to be best friends ever again. How did it feel That she became bachelorette. I mean, like, you got Miss USA runner-up, and then she got bachelorette. There must have been some envy there. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think back. I remember getting the call that it wasn't me for bachelorette. And I was like, dang, that kind of sucks. Um, but, and then I found out it was her at Women's Hell All. We all kind of knew at Women's Hell All that it was her. And it hurt. It definitely hurt, but... I mean, yeah, it, it stung and I was upset and I was like, I kind of was led to believe that it was mine and then suddenly it wasn't and it was Hannah's and 
you know, looking back on previous seasons, it's always been in the top four. And then for them to branch out and pick Hannah, I was just, it hurts. And, and I just felt like, I don't know, like I was, I don't know. I just have so many thoughts on the issue. (laughs) Caitlin, do you think, I just had a weird thought. Do you think you guys would have confronted and fixed things if it wasn't for the show? No, I think it would have been a thing where the friendship didn't work out and we just go our separate ways. It's wild when the show can do that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, hey, Kaylin, let's take one more break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to touch on uh, your season of uh, The Bachelor with Colton Underwood, your relationship with Cassie, and then close up with, I think, a really, really fun segment talking about your relationship with Dean and uh, your other boyfriend. Do you consider him a boyfriend, Pappy? Oh, no, he's my son. No, son, son, sorry. Son, (laughs) happy. We'll be back with Kaylin Miller-Keys. What keeps baby skin healthy? A diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. That's why Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to help keep your baby's skin dry and healthy. We have been a Pampers family since the start with Dawson. It takes you a few months of experimentation to figure out what really works. And for us, Pampers really works. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. All that, so important. Try Swaddlers with the new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Ashley, is it true that some contestants have cashed in their 401k to afford a new wardrobe for The Bachelor? I mean, you do need a lot of ball gowns when you think about it. Where did you hear that rumor, Ben? Oh, Smart Money Happy Hour. It's a podcast where two money experts, Rachel Cruz and George Camel, talk totally unfiltered about life, pop culture, and how to afford it all. With 90s nostalgia and reality TV fandom mixed in, of course. So like how to budget for a hot date in Malta like Joey went on? (laughs) Yeah. Or how to baby step your way to being a millionaire before you're 35. Okay, I'm looking at this episode on how much people spend on dating apps. One guy is spending $499 a month. He should really apply for The Bachelorette. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or this one episode, which is what our Amazon purchase history says about us. Why don't you just go and tap that subscribe button, Ashley? Um, say less. This is really, really interesting. So to check it out, you can search Smart Money Happy Hour and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Smart Money Happy Hour and hit that subscribe button, which I just did. Your wallet and your next road trip will thank you. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You wake up with a scratchy throat, congestion, runny nose, and cough. You know your body. You know you're getting sick. Your choices are tough it out, get sick, take some time out from work, hope the doctor can see you this month, or wait two hours at urgent care. Then you can sit in a room full of sick people. Or you can open your medical emergency kit, match your symptoms to the doctor's recommendation prescription. It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. It has strong antibiotics for infections of all types, plus a doctor's easy guide so you'll know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in here. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door and you get 15% off at twc.health/famous. You can use the promo code FAMOUS. That's promo code FAMOUS at twc.health slash famous. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with Kaylin Miller Keys. Kaylin, uh, we've talked about a lot of the things leading up to this point, but you were on The Bachelor dating a man named Colton Underwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess we'll just start with a general question. Were you excited for Colton to be The Bachelor? No. And I told him that on like maybe the second or third episode. I was like, I was really hoping for Jason. And when it wasn't him, I was like, all right, might as well still, you know, go and have fun. But I was pleasantly surprised by Colton. I just, he's not the type of person that I would like typically date. Do you, I mean, we've had a few people now do in depths from Colton season. It feels like that's the common response that we get is we weren't excited for him to be the bachelor. We were pleasantly surprised, but he still wasn't the type of person we would date. Was that a theme in the house? Yeah, I know like some people definitely had deep connections with him and most of the girls were like sitting in their bunk beds like I don't really care about him. And I was like, guys, there's cameras like they can pick up on this. You can't just say that. But there were a lot of girls who just weren't 
super invested. You definitely weren't one of those girls, though. I felt like you genuinely did have feelings. It's just so weird. It's it's so weird now looking back. But in the moment, yes, I did. I definitely had feelings. Um, and he was just Colton. Colton's a great guy, and he was great at making everyone feel special. And I I definitely did have feelings forever ago. Do you, at what point then did it start to switch for you? I mean, if this would have been you at the end, what, what would you have done? Um, if it was us at the end, we would not still be together. (laughs) 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 We're just too different. Mm -hmm. And him and Cassie are like a perfect match, but yeah, it just, it never would have worked with us. I need someone like Dean to just mellow me out and make me not take life too seriously not wear makeup, things mm, like that. A guy like <laughs> Dean. Well, good news, team. We're going to be talking about <laughs> Dean Ungler just a little bit. <laughs> Why do you think there was so much tension between the other girls in the house and then you and Cassie? Um, There really wasn't up until like the end. But we were like friends with everyone, but we just had such a close, close friendship. Unlike any friendship either of us have ever had. We were just like best, best friends. And it definitely seemed weird to a lot of the girls. They're like, you can't be this close and develop feelings for a guy, the yeah. same guy. Yeah. And I get that, but we were so good at separating the two and we just wouldn't talk about it. And that's the only way we could remain friends was just to be like, I'm in my mind, I was like, I'm going to pretend like you guys don't have a strong relationship. I'm going to pretend like he doesn't like you because that's going to help me to be your best friend. It seemed like you and Cassie were hanging out together in LA and such um, before the season started airing, but while Cassie and Colton were together, um, was it weird seeing him with her so soon after you had feelings for him? Yeah, I remember when I found out that they were together in that same pit that I had in my stomach when Sarah won Miss USA, I had when I found out Mm. that they were together. Because I felt, I was like, for sure it's Hannah Godwin. I know they're together. And I was like, now me and Cassie can just do our thing. And like, and then she, I found out that it was him, that Cassie was with him. And I was like, oh my God, like what? And that same thing, I pushed it out. I was like, I can't be jealous. I have to be happy for her. It didn't work out for us, but I hope it works out for them. And that was kind of my mindset. But it was weird the first time I saw him. I was like, I was super uncomfortable and just didn't know how to act. And I think he kind of felt the same way. We just wanted to be respectful of Cassie. So you thought I was going to be Hannah in the end, which makes me curious as to think, would do you think that you would have been as close with Cassie if you thought that she was actually the one who won his heart? Yeah, I just, because the way that we processed it in our brains, it was like, we just both believed that the other didn't have a strong relationship. And I guess I believed it so much to the point where I was like, it has to be Hannah. I don't know. It's, it's weird to think about, but I did, I did subconsciously know like they had a strong relationship, but she also didn't tell me the things like the small things that he did for her. Like she told me he took her back to his room in Thailand, but she didn't tell me that he was giving her gifts like every single episode. And that I, because she knew that would have hurt me and I would have probably known. Did she not think that she was the front runner? At times she told me she didn't, but yeah, she didn't for a while. Interesting. I think. 
And and then there was rumors that you, you know, were hanging out with Colton before Women Tell All was taped. But then at Women Tell All, you made it seem like you weren't over him at all. Um, in hindsight, was that kind of like an emotional outburst because you thought that it would up your chances of being the Bachelorette? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I love the 1, honesty. Thousand percent. <laughs> Good work, um, Kaylin. Hell I yeah. Mean, <laughs> you're advised certain ways and I was like screw it if this is my last chance let's try it and you know I had a little birdie in my ear telling me people think you're fake people think you weren't actually didn't actually have feelings for him people never really saw you emote so this is your chance and I was like all right I'm gonna go out with a bang and that's what I did so just to be clear there though did you have feelings for him yeah okay <laughs> no I did I did <laughs> um I did have feelings for him and I just remember being dumped and oh I was just like are you kidding me and now he just met my whole family and I have to go home to my family like there's no way it's over between us and I remember calling producers every day for like I don't even know five days maybe and I was like he made a mistake I'm telling you right now he made a mistake like I'm coming back and they said you know what uh Lauren said the same thing when Ari dumped her Hmm. and they're like let's let it play out a couple days let's see what happens if he feels the same way, we'll let you come back. So I was determined. I was like, I know it's me. And then, you know, the initial heartbreak, you get over it. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that was like, that's not meant to be at all. Yeah. Yeah. We- so you were, yeah, you were, you had the feelings, but you were definitely over it by Women Tell All. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the honesty is so fantastic. All right. So you and Cassie, are you still as close as you were then now? Yeah, we are. We're still super close. It's just hard to, our schedules are so different and obviously now we're quarantined, but I just just talking to her yesterday on the phone, but we are still close. It's hard to get back to that like level of closeness that we were on the show when there's no phones. It's just you and the other person. Like it's just a great way to build friendships in that environment. I completely agree because there are some girls from my season that like I was thinking getting off the season, those are going to be bridesmaids in my wedding Mm -hmm. one day. And then those girls, well, they were invited to my wedding, but they didn't even come, you know? Really? Yeah. No, it's tough. It And I don't know. We still are super close, and I'm super thankful for that. But getting to that same closeness where there's no distractions and it's just like no phones and you just get to live your life free of any any distraction imaginable. It's pretty cool. Recently, uh, Colton came out with a book, and he mentions you in it. A lot. A lot. (laughs) What are your thoughts? (laughs) I've only heard about the me and Hannah B stuff. I haven't heard about anything else, but I think it's because you were one of the people right off the bat that he was like, okay, she's getting far. Mm. You were his first kiss. Yeah. Well, not really. (laughs) Oh, not really. They made it seem like that. Who was (laughs) his first kiss then? I want to say Katie, but maybe I'm wrong. Or uh, yeah, I don't know, but um, I get why I'm in the book. I, I don't know. I just hate reliving The Bachelor because I don't know. I was 23 going on the show. I didn't know who I was. I was so insecure. I was just a very different version of myself. So it's hard for me to like look back at that time and remember fond memories. Well, I feel like a lot of girls said that about you. A lot of them noticed that you grew and matured a lot between the break be- between paradise and the bachelor what Mm -hmm. do you think happened then 
I think I just woke up and I shook off this pageantry side of me. And I was like, this is so fake. This is not me. And I just need to be myself. Like no one wants this perfectly prim. Let's, you know, speak on both sides person. Like just, I was like, I'm just going to be myself. And if that works, that works. All right. So now we're in paradise and you had some drama with Blake that we're not even going to bother with right now. But I want to know the feeling that you had when Dean walked down those stairs. Was it love (laughs) at first sight? Because I'd say for most women, it is. (laughs) Um, For me, it was. Yeah, (laughs) I I was like, for most men and women, I should say, actually. (laughs) So Dean and I actually met in March, maybe. Yeah, right. The season finale of my season airing is the first day that we met. And it was at, um, like, through a mutual friend, it was, like, super brief, like, hey, hey, like, how are you? How are you? And I remember walking out and being like, one, he is so tall, and two, his eyes are so blue. He's so handsome. And so when he came down to the beach, I was, like, just reminded of how attractive he is. And I remember talking to him, and I was just like, I was a mess that day you start drinking so early and the heat and you have like two drinks and it's just too much. Um, so I was a mess. And I remember thinking like, there's no way he's going to take me on this date. Like I just acted like a freaking lunatic. And then he asks me and I was like, Oh my gosh. And I was so excited to go on the date with him. But I remember the whole time we were on the date, I was like, I remember even asking producers, I was like, is this a friend thing or are we on a date? Like I have no idea. And so we're talking, going through the date, I'm starting to like him more and more. And then we jump into the pool and the producer is like, kiss him, kiss him. And then I like spin us because he's holding me in the water. And the producer's like, kiss her, kiss her. And we're both like spinning each other because no one wants to make the first move. And then finally he did. And I was like, okay, it's not a friend thing. What what a magical moment that was watching it because to see Dean – really pursue I mean anybody publicly still feels a little weird for me to be honest because I just know him privately and I'm like I don't think this comes naturally to him like I think he likes a lot of this stuff private but he obviously felt something with you uh we got to see your story play out uh obviously Dean leaves and comes back so I'll ask you the same question what was it like to see him show up the second time (laughs) I was so happy and I wanted to like be the cool girl and he tried to hold my hand and I was like no you have to work for it like you left me on my birthday absolutely not and so but I was so happy I remember waking up the next day after he dumped me and I was just you know when you wake up and you're like oh my gosh like I I still thought we were together like I don't know I just the whole day I was looking around for him on the beach and I was so I just wanted to see him and at the wedding this didn't get showed, but I was like crying so the entire time. Yeah, yeah, but that, that was the part yeah, I was going to bring up. You saw me. You guys both saw me. Yeah, that was, was the part like, I was going to oh. bring up. I was like, Dean, you idiot! Like, so Dean goes down. <laughs> so here's a little backstory here. So Dean goes down to paradise, saying, telling all of his friends Definitely. that he was not going to get into a relationship. Yeah, that he was just going down there to to have a good time, and 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 he didn't want to get into trouble again, right? He just didn't want to have a, a bad storyline. And so I remember my very last conversation with him, probably very soon before he left was like, just don't do something stupid. Like, just don't be stupid, Dean. Okay. <laughs> Flash forward into the wedding. And obviously we're talking about Chris um, and Crystal's wedding. And we all are there for all of us here that are on this, on this uh, podcast. 
And I show up and I'm like, I'm so pumped to see Dean. And I see you there sad and crying. And I'm like, what happened? And I asked somebody and they tell me yesterday, the day before the wedding, right? Her birthday. Your birthday. Dean had broken up with you. And my first response was, Dean, oh, you idiot. <laughs> and I saw Kaylin sitting over there and I was just like, okay. She looks like as heartbroken as I was in paradise with Jared. So I was like, I can tell like genuine heartbreak sadness when I see it. So I go over to her and I'm like, Kaylin, I feel so bad for you. Like I'm feeling so much empathy. I go, but like, I love Dean. He's like one of the most sparkling creatures I've ever met inside and out. But that man is not ready for a relationship and he'll tell anyone that. (laughs) And here we are, here we are a year later and you guys are still together, which is magical. It is so crazy. Oh, that was a brutal day for me. I was just, I remember being pulled out of my interview because I was crying too hard. And of course it doesn't get showed. It makes it look like, oh, Connor, like I'm so into Connor. But I was like, I had to take Hannah Godwin's makeup bag and like from her and pull out something that Dylan had in his pocket of her makeup just to like, I mean, I was... Tia and Becca Kufrin saw me in the bathroom, just a mess, like ugly, ugly crying. They're like, Connor wants to talk to you. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so, uh, I don't know. It was just a terrible day for me. But even, even though you were like saying you're interested in talking to Connor, I was like, Connor will always be her second place. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. And I tried to fill that void that I was missing with Dean with Connor. And then Dean came back and I was like, thank goodness. Mm. I was so happy. Yeah. It's, I can't think of anything. It's almost funny. I'm sorry for laughing, but it's almost funny to think that you get broken up with by a man you love. Obviously, we know that now. And then you have to show up to a wedding with all of his friends the next day. Like, how brutal is that? (laughs) Oh, it was not fun. It was one of the worst days, honestly. (laughs) And we can laugh about it now, obviously, because you two are together. Yes. And you're happy. (laughs) We are very happy. We are quarantined together. And sometimes we get on each other's nerves, but for the most part, we get along great. <laughs> we just like have our separate bedrooms. <laughs> Can we clarify why he even broke up with you in the first place in paradise? Was it truly because like his mentality going in was don't get in a relationship. And then he was like, oh, got to stick to the original mentality. Yes, because I pulled him aside and I was like, what is this? And he was like, I told you, like, I'm not. He's like, I got, I have a music festival to get to in a week. And I was like, Dean, this goes on for two and a half more weeks. And he's like, yeah, I got to, I'm going to head out of here soon. <laughs> like he was determined just to not leave in a relationship. How are you so forgiving? Like I, and I say this because like Dean is one of my favorite people in the world. I, I consider him one of my best friends. I love him dearly, but I like, I also some like Dean's the type of person you just like want to like shake him most yeah. of the time. <laughs> How are you so forgiving? <laughs> there is just something that I have never felt with anyone that I feel with Dean. And it's like, of course, I'll take you back. Like the second he came down, it may have looked like there was some contemplating going on. But I was like, oh, my gosh, like my heart is with you for sure. Oh, yeah. We knew you were trying to be a cool, cool girl. You're like going <laughs> to try to pretend like you were going to take him back but you had to give him a couple minutes of being nervous but there is some quality that I feel like all of us here can agree on that Dean is just like he has something where if he looks at you and smiles you cannot deny him yes it is ridiculous he's about to come in here 
<laughs> don't let him come in here. I don't want him to hear this. I, he doesn't need to hear us <laughs> raving about him. Yeah, yeah. I'd prefer he never he hears me say anything head. good about him. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the best. All right. So you guys are together now. You've been together for almost a year. You've pretty much lived together because, you know, D- Dean's a nomad. And when he's not on an adventure, pretty much always with you, he's at your apartment, which is kind of shared with both of you. But you have been really secretive about certain big milestones in your relationship. Like, I remember asking Dean, like, have you guys said I love you and stuff? And he's like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, no, yeah, no. And so can you tell us, like, have you guys said I love you? And when was the moment? I was thinking about that today. I was like, am, can are we saying that? But yeah, whatever. Yes, I love him a whole lot. Um, I told, I told him, gosh, I don't even know. Maybe when we were in St. Lucia was the first time I told him. So you told him first. Yeah. It's definitely some, like, definitely something you'd have to do I feel like yeah oh for sure <laughs> there's no way he's doing it first <laughs> and he said it back um not immediately not for a while I guess I should say <laughs> <laughs> oh. okay. um, I want to know about Pappy so we talked about Pappy at the beginning I've been able to meet Pappy Ashley's met Pappy Kaylin you're not a mom what does Pappy mean to you? Okay, I feel like a crazy dog mom. And when people like post their dog all the time and how much they love them, I've never understood because I've never had a dog of my own. But I just didn't know that I could love something this much. Like I love him more and more every single day. He's just my son. And I don't know. the way, When he looks up at me and just stares at me. It, he's doing it now. Him. That's why we're he's, he's doing yeah. it right now as we talk. He is. Kaylin, so I understand sweet. so much because like I don't understand being like a person mom yet, like a baby mom. Mm-hmm. So when people post about their baby, I'm like, that's great. But like, how could it be better than my dog? <laughs> like truly, I'm like, I don't think it could get better. Like, can I love something and think something is cuter than my dog? Seriously. And Dean and I, our whole camera roll, we take like a hundred photos of him a day and like a hundred videos. Anytime he like sticks his tongue out, we're like, come here, come here, come here. You got to see this. Like we are very obsessed with him. <laughs> He's a beautiful dog. It's a beautiful story. Kaylin, uh, last question about Pappy. There was a, you know, I don't know, a couple months ago, you and Dean were deciding on keeping Pappy or not. Was it ever a question in your mind if you were going to continue to allow Pappy to be a part of your family? Yes. So I left for Bali for like a week and a half and Dean was obviously with Pappy the whole time and Pappy's behavior changed drastically and he became much more misbehaved. Um, And so I was like, I just don't know if we can keep this dog. He was like peeing everywhere. He was barking and he never barked before. And I was like, you know, we were traveling and in hotels, we were about to get kicked out because he was barking so much. And so that was the only time. But then once I started parenting him again, he started behaving more um but being in quarantine like i can't imagine not having him yeah dean as a parent he's gonna be a great dad he is oh he's gonna be such a good dad but i know no but i i, <laughs> I love seeing sorry yeah i just no no, no. i tell think us like, everything, yeah Kaylin. please tell us if you think <laughs> dean is gonna be a good dad yeah <laughs> no he is i feel like i just made him sound like a bad dog dad but he is like the best dog dad in the world he loves pappy so much and he's great to him Okay. Well, Kaylin, uh, that's the hard part. 
Uh, you've made it through the gauntlet of questions. We appreciate your uh, vulnerability. Um, I've appreciated hearing your stories. I've learned a lot about pageants and um, and also just your strength. And uh, and so now it's off to Ashley for her famous rapid fire round. All right, what's your favorite adventure you've been on with Dean? Oh, Guatemala, hiking a volcano. Okay, why is that? Just because it was hiking a volcano? Yeah, it was so cool. It was, we hiked, um, we slept on a volcano, which was dormant, and then we hiked an active volcano, and it was just the most incredible thing to see it erupting at night. And I definitely complained a lot, and Dean and I got into an argument about my complaining, but looking back, I'm like, this happens often where I like fight him on the things that he tries to push me on. And then I look back and I'm like, that was the best experience of my life. How were you able to adapt to this kind of adventure with him? Because it's extreme, you know, you're not just going on a hike of running Canyon, which is honestly pretty extreme for me. That's like a real <laughs> cardiovascular intense workout. And then you are like going all over the place, like sleeping in tents when I'm like a hotel snob. So like, please <laughs> educate us. I think it's just like loving someone and loving the things that they're passionate about and growing with them. And he actually just told me right before we started this that he bought me some rock climbing shoes. So he's going to teach me how to rock climb soon, <laughs> which will be interesting. But I don't know. I think it just comes with loving the things that they love because they love it and you love them. Wow. You're special. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what has been something that you have taught him to love um, that he wouldn't oh, have loved love. before? Yeah. Like, cause if you, he taught you how to love adventure in the outdoors, then what's the vice versa of that? Uh, maybe first class in an airplane. <laughs> Probably. <That's the> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what is your plane necessity on all these long travels? Oh, I have to have CBD oil because I get such bad anxiety with turbulence. So it just kind of helps me like relax and not clench the armrest the whole time. Dean does a lot of projects around the house, whether that's like making you furniture or working on the car. What's the most impressive thing he's done? Like hard work, like, like manual labor, manual labor. (laughs) Thank you. I was going to say that he has to go to the hardware store for I love our benches that he built, but I think the fact that he did his van himself, like now you can have people, you know, scrap your van, like the interior and make it all new, but he did it all himself. And it's, I think it's pretty cool that he did that. What is your favorite food to deliver that you always agree is a good idea? Pizza. Um, Have you spoken about children? Um, no, but weirdly, my Google pop like picks articles that they think will be of interest to in me. And it said, Dean Ungler talks about kids with Keelan. And so I read it. And apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's opening up to it. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you surprised that you guys have lasted as long as you have since Bachelor Nation is so surprised? <laughs> At first, I was like treating this relationship like it was. It, it sounds really bad, but I, like it was going to end in the way that I was like preparing my heart because I couldn't deal with that heartbreak again. So I was like, you know, he's probably going to get tired of me soon. Um, but then like the more we got to know each other, the more we traveled together, I was like, oh, like this is actually something. And finally, what is the most annoying thing 
that he's been doing during quarantine and what does he think the most annoying thing that you've been doing during quarantine is? Um, his for sure is Call of Duty. I hate that game. But also <laughs> I like we had a conversation about it and I was like, I can't really be mad at you because what is there to do in quarantine? And if it's something that makes you happy, fine, do it and play it. Um, and I think the annoying thing that I do in quarantine is just nag him about Call of Duty. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) All right, Kaylin, this was a long haul. Yeah, you did it. Talking to us for an hour and a half. Kaylin, can we get three more minutes from you though? Yeah. So we, we always like to end it this way. Uh, because you're you're obviously one of Bachelor Nation's favorite. You have an incredible story to tell. You shared it with us today. There's a lot of people out there listening to this that are big fans of you, and we're fans of the listeners. Kaylin, if I gave you the platform, which I'm going to give you now, the stage, what would you say to anybody listening who supported you, loved you, cared about you along the way? I would just say thank you so much. Um, I get DMs and people are like, I see you. I see your heart. I've watched you evolve. I've watched you change. And thank you for sticking by my side as I am in my early 20s and just learning about myself during this time. So thank you for being supportive. Thank you for sharing your stories of, you know, different things that you've been through. I'm very appreciative. So sweet. Yeah, you're awesome. Kaylin Miller-Keese, thanks for joining Ashley and I on the Almost Famous In-Depth Podcast. Now, follow along. I will start. Ashley, you obviously know what to do. And then Kaylin, join on in. Hey, guys, this has been another episode of the Almost Famous In-Depth Podcast. Today, we had a really special guest, somebody that we care about dearly, uh, Kaylin Miller-Keys with us. But hey, if you uh, can, go to wherever you listen to podcasts and rate us, review us. We love to hear from you. Hey, we'll talk to you next time. I've been Ben. I've been Ashley. And I've been Kaylin. Bye, guys. Later. Follow the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous Podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Ashley, is it true that some contestants have cashed in their 401k to afford a new wardrobe for The Bachelor? I mean, you do need a lot of ball gowns when you think about it, Ben. Where did you hear this? On Smart Money Happy Hour. It's a podcast where two money experts, Rachel Cruz and George Camel, talk totally unfiltered about life, pop culture, and how to afford it all with 90s nostalgia and reality TV fandom mixed in, of course. Ooh, you do not have to say more to get me into this. To check it out, you can search Smart Money Happy Hour and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.